Hello. Discover the answer to life's most perplexing questions. Gain insight for your journey and discover how to use your pain to launch your purpose as you listen to Beauty for Ashes, a podcast with Adrian Mayfield. Hello, guys. I am super excited today to have my brother, Kevin Strange, here with me. He has a um, wealth of experience and knowledge, both in the marketplace as well as a son of God. And so I'm really excited and looking forward just to uh, talk to him and kind of pick his brain about his life and his experience and his journey. So welcome to the show, Kevin. Hi, Adrian. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on, on your podcast today. So um, I guess for the first question, can you just tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am from a small town in Har- in Georgia, uh, Lake Hartwell, and I am the middle child of three children. I have uh, an older sister and a younger sister, and I currently work for a software company, and I have really focused on my career and um building out a career and working in the marketplace. Okay. So can you tell, tell us a little bit about your journey with God? What, sure. What's that, what has that looked like for you? Sure. Um, growing up in the Southern part of the country of what most people call the Bible belt, I was raised in the church and the Baptist church and was taught all the traditions and the things that we were and were not supposed to do and how we were supposed to show up at church and and all the rules and regulations that we had. At that same time, I was also struggling with a hidden secret that um, was told in the church was not acceptable, which was that I was um, homosexual. And that was uh, something that I tried to keep hidden as long as I could. And um, as I was growing up and just trying to keep that hidden, I remember once that my mother came to me and she asked me if I was gay. I was probably around 13 or 14 years old. And I replied to her no at that time, because as I was processing that, I realized that I didn't think that she wanted to hear the truth, that being who we were as Christians and growing up in in the church, that that wasn't something that I should ever talk about. So I continued to just live uh, what I felt was a lie and something that I didn't really want to do, but felt like it was necessary. And as I continued uh, to go on through high school and and move forward, I moved away to college where in Atlanta, where I felt like I could be free. And at that point, I began to really experiment more in the gay lifestyle, being a homosexual and truly embracing who I felt like God had created me to be. And one of the things that people know about the gay lifestyle and the gay culture is that it's a very inclusive, and once you come out and become a part of the community, uh, you really become in this this family um, that truly just supports each other and brings us closer together. So I continue to embrace that and live that out And uh, over time, I had uh, lots of promiscuous sex. I had lots of sex partners. Um, I began to live with someone who I lived with for 
about 12 years, we came, we presented ourselves as husband and husband. We had houses, we had cars, we had beach houses, we had all the things that you would want and begin to try to present ourselves as a married couple. And as I continued to step down that path, um, I just continued to embrace my homosexuality and uh, really turned away from God at that point because I felt like there was no way that what I was doing because I loved him and he loved me and we had this really great life that that couldn't be something that God hadn't planned for my life because it felt so normal and natural to me. So I continued to live that lifestyle and, and had lots of friends, which caused a distance between my family and myself because of our religious background. But I felt like this, my new family in the gay community and lots of our friends were there for me and supported me and really made me feel like I belonged. And as I continued to move down that road, my relationship with God just became more and more a distant memory of something that I knew in the past. So I wanted to ask you a question about something you talked about being raised in the South. You know, we were raised in the same household, in the same church. And so you, you talked about the expectation of showing up and, be, and presenting a certain way and how there was this internal conflict, I guess, between who you felt you were and how you were supposed to show up. So can you talk a little bit more about that experience, what that was like for you in your personality, in your emotions, and how that affected your whole identity of this is who I believe I am versus what the expectation was for how you were supposed to look and live and act? The word that comes to mind for me is mask. So I learned to put on a mask in order to live in the community where I was and the life that I felt like we were required to live. As a Christian and raised in a Christian household, I knew what was expected. We were going to go to church, we would read our Bible, we would go to Sunday school, we would sing in the choir, we would usher. There was a certain image that was expected to be lived and shown to the world. Although behind the scenes, I was living another life. So I learned to mask myself and there was a duality um, between who I was uh, in, around certain groups of people. If I saw people from church or I saw people from the community or people who knew us, then I would present one, one face. And if I saw someone from the gay community, then I would present who I felt like I really was uh, at that point to that, those individuals. Okay, so that duality, what what role do you feel like that duality created in, um, I guess, pushing you deeper into this lifestyle? Do you, let's talk about the role of um, acceptance and rejection of self and personality and identity. What role do you think this duality and being being, I guess, I'm sure feeling forced into this duality at that time, what role did that play into your, um, I guess, going deeper into actually living out the lifestyle once you moved away? I felt like the church was forcing me into the duality. So um, because I felt that I was created this way from the very beginning, oftentimes I have had run my memory back to the furthest that I could remember as a child 
and I always had same-sex attraction. So that was the first thing I remember. So if that's your first memory of being attracted to someone and it's someone of the same sex, then you feel like that's how you were born. So as you look at that and then you feel like this group of people are forcing me not to embrace who I am and who I believe I am, then it causes me to um, shy away and to show two different sides of me and making decisions. When I moved to Atlanta and I began to be around more gay people and more homosexuals and being in the lifestyle and there was this freedom of being who I felt like I was, then that became, that became a draw to me to be pulled towards these people who accepted me for who I felt I was and who I felt I was created to be. And there was no judgment from that. So it just sort of evolved into pulling away from one group that felt oppressive to another group that felt inclusive. Okay. So that lifestyle and those individuals who were also practicing the homosexual lifestyle gave you an acceptance. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing you say that you never felt like you really had because you were forced to suppress your identity, who you believed you were. Okay. Um, let's flesh that out a little bit and talk about um, your your I guess, familial relationship. You talked about the expectation of being raised in church and I guess about Southern Baptist Bible, um, African-American family. So tell us a little bit about your relationship with your biological father. Um, so at an early age, um, I, my parents divorced um, before I was even born and I was raised by my mother and my stepfather. And my biological father never really had any interaction with me. So as I, you know, as a child growing up, I had no real bond with my biological father. And my stepfather, although a very um, kind and, and loving man, didn't know how to embrace and, and um, love me the way that I thought that I needed to be loved. And so as I grew up, I didn't have any real relationship with father figure uh, men in my life that were nurturing as well as showing me who, what it was like to be a man. And so as that began to progress through my life and not having that, then it caused me to also look at God in a different way mm -hmm. because he was distant. My biological father was distant. My uh, stepfather, who was present in our home and who gave me lots of life skills. He wasn't an affectionate man to me. So that also created a barrier. And when you have these two barriers and these two images of fathers, and this is what it is, then you assume that God's going is the same way. He's distant. He's far away. And so I'm left to my own devices to figure out how to do life on my own. Wow. That's that's interesting. So um, let's go back to your story. So we were journeying through your story. You moved to Atlanta. It's a thriving um, homosexual community here. Your lifestyle's embraced. You've now developed a lifelong partner. You're living your lives as a couple. And the people that you have surrounded yourself with are very accepting. There's no judgment. And you have lots of friends, I'm assuming, who are also practicing that same lifestyle. And so... Um, what happened with that relationship? Um, that relationship became uh, toxic uh, in the very beginning. There was the introduction of multiple partners. 
Uh, there was the introduction of promiscuity and uh, all sorts of things that I won't go into full detail here on the podcast, but um, all the things that people have heard about the gay lifestyle, um, they are true. Um, there's a reason for that. And so as I begin to go deeper and deeper into the lifestyle and having multiple partners, then that causes that relationship to fracture. What I thought was originally going to be like a lifelong commitment, the white picket fence, the house, the retirement, we'll grow old together, we'll take care of each other until one of us dies, and then we'll continue to move forward. All the things that you would think of in a heterosexual relationship, I had planned for myself in this relationship. Bear in mind, I thought that this was how I was created, and this is what God intended. So he intended for me to be with this person. Uh, as time would permit, as we neared the end of our relationship, uh, it became extremely toxic because uh, we were both in two different places. I was living overseas. He was living in our house in Florida, and he had different partners. I had different partners, and it just became too toxic for us to try to continue forward. So we ended up breaking up, um, splitting our assets, and going about our, what were supposed to be separate ways. Okay. So what was your relationship? So I'm assuming you had this serious relationship with him. What was you, you talked a little bit about your family and the fracturing of your familiar relationships as you evolved and grew in your identity as a homosexual man. Talk a little bit about what that was like with your family. Were you, did you still see them? Did you speak to them? Was it like a cutting off? How was that handled by your family and how did it make you feel? Well, when I talk about that, I, I have to go back one step before this long-term relationship is to the day that I actually announced that I was gay to my family. Uh, we were sitting at home. We had just had come from church. Our pastor was at the house, and we were sitting in the room. Um, it was me, um, you, and our pastor, my mom, and my dad, and uh, we were just sitting there, and my significant other um, at the time had come over from Athens to visit with us. And so my family was always very loving and inviting into the home and, and things of that nature. But I had never introduced um, the other person as my boyfriend. He was just somebody that was always with me. But it was pretty obvious to everyone who he was. So one day we were sitting in the room and um, in the living room after lunch and the words came out, I, you were whispering to my mom, are you going to ask him? And um, my mom said, yeah, I'll ask him. So she asked me if um, I was gay again. This is the second time that she's asked. And so finally, I mustered up the courage to answer her honestly. And I said, yes, I am. And this is my boyfriend. And there was such a deflating of air in the room that um, was very difficult to deal with. And um, my mom looked over to my dad and she said to him, "Do you did you hear what he said? And he looked up and he said, yes, it, I heard him. It's like a dagger that went through my heart. Mm. So at that point, I begin to realize, you know, that there was separation that was coming into our family. And even to this day, when I talk about it, 
it invokes certain emotions because of the disappointment, right. once again, and the rejection that comes from um, talking about it. Right. But I wanted to make sure that your listeners know that my family, although extremely disappointed, they never gave up praying for me or saying that they loved me. So even then you had asked me what was the relationship like. And so although there was this huge void, this huge space between us now, they never once disowned me or, or moved or moved away or shot away from me. So I never felt the, re, the total separation from my family, but there was definitely a space there that was created at that moment. Okay. And I, I think that, you know, as you just said, it's important for listeners to hear and know because I think, you know, in our current climate with there being such a push towards same-sex marriage and the uh, celebration of gender identity and confusion and, um, I guess, gender fluidity and all those kinds of things for, for individuals who say that they are Christians and who espouse to believe the Bible and the Bible's teachings. I think there is a very delicate dance that people go through now in deciding what whether there is acceptance of the lifestyle, rejection of the lifestyle. How do we as a family do that? And so, you know, you you indicated that you felt like the family did that well, I'm assuming? I would say that they did it really well because even my my main nucleus, my sisters and my mom and, and dad, um, never shunned me. They were never they never wouldn't go places with me. And you have to remember this was back in the early in the, the early nineteen nineties before the LGBTQ movement that you see today was there. So this wasn't a well accepted norm. But I will say that my family always said that they loved me and that they were they were supportive of me. But this wasn't something that God was going to ordain and it was not a lifestyle that they would, could condone for me. So although they were loving and, and, and caring and there was this, this space in between us, there was also that understanding that this wasn't a lifestyle that, that God approved of. Okay. And so do you think, like I said, I think that a lot of people struggle with that, even if they're conflicted in their own belief system, as far as what, where they feel they place homosexuality and God would place homosexuality. And some people seem to be confused about whether or not it's a sin. Um, I think that brings in the difficulty of people not really knowing whether they can give total acceptance and love a person while not accepting and condoning their lifestyle. And so I think that that tends to be the biggest challenge for people now. Um, for your listeners who are on, on the podcast today and uh, from my own experience and the way that I was raised and where I am now in Christ and in God, is that I would say it's very important that you not deviate from what the Bible says and what God has placed in, in the word. So you can love an individual, you can show them love, you can show them compassion. My parents would come down and stay at our home. They would visit with us. We would come home for Christmas. We would do all the same things that we normally had done, but there was a clear understanding 
that they were not going to deviate from what the, the word had said about the lifestyle. Okay. So you feel like they loved you and they were accepting of you as a person, but they were clear in their belief that the Bible teaches that homosexuality is a sin and that it's not a lifestyle that God condones or accepts, that you were created to be someone different. Yes. Yes. Okay. I would, I would validate that. Okay. So let's go back into your story and unpack it a little bit. So you're living with this man and y'all had a relationship and then you moved overseas and your relationship ended up fracturing. And so take us forward from that breaking up of that relationship and that relationship ending to where you are today. So I had obviously, you know, once the relationship fractured and I was out of that relationship, I dove deeper into promiscuity. Um, I would have a very nice job and I was very successful and I wanted to promote that level of success and the image of success which caused me to begin to spend a lot of money and and in the lifestyle um, you have to you know show a lot of um, ability to pay and do things and my mother had always told me that I would have a wife and children to take care of and that I needed to make a good living and make good money and be able to provide so little did she know that I was going to use those skills to provide for another man versus right. a wife and children. Uh, not exactly what she was hoping for or planning right. for. But as that relate, as I begin to uh, seek out um, additional uh, partners and um, places to go, I just, you know, Christianity wasn't something that I thought about. God wasn't something I thought about. I was just into being with my friends and having a good time and traveling. As um, I was doing that and to, in order to run my lifestyle, I began to use credit cards and borrowing money and things of that nature to keep up the image that I had created for myself. And as I continued down that road, I just, you know, the distance between me and God just grew further and further and further apart. And as that continued to happen, um, the pressures of, of keeping up the duality, the image, now there was the image of wealth and success and, um, and it wasn't between Christ, but it was the image that I had created for myself in the world and success and the things that I needed to keep up. And as that began to happen, I, there was a moment in time when God realized that I was, that something was going to happen and needed to happen in order to change the trajectory of my life. And I was in a relationship in that relationship what I thought was going to be the last relationship, I was preparing to get engaged to the, the gentleman that I was dating. And I think at that point, God was enough is enough. I'm going to have to do something and remove my protective hand off of Kevin and let him see what's happening to him and how deep down into um, this he has gotten. So um, as God removed that protective shield for me, uh, there was uh, what people would say today looked like a, a nervous breakdown, but afterwards I realized that it was a spiritual attack. Right. Um, because of my relationship with God, now I know that it was spiritual warfare, and that Satan would had God had relieved, removed his protection, and that I was being attacked. And as I was being attacked by the demons and the voices that I heard in my head, and the things that happened supernaturally, uh, I was even to the point that I tried to gouge my eyes out mm. 
um, because the demons told me that that was something that I needed to do. As I was experiencing this, there was a still small voice that came into my head that said, call Jesus. And at that moment, I said Jesus out of my mm, mouth. Yes. And at that, from that moment on, Satan said he can't help you. But then I heard sirens coming from an ambulance. Mm, wow. And I began to, there were people there and things began to change for me and the trajectory um, of my life at that point. Wow. That's quite a testimony. So you feel like, I guess, God stepped in miraculously to shake some things up and allow some shaking so that he could ultimately get your intention and draw draw you back into a relationship with him. Yes. That's go ahead. I as I you know as I play back uh, that situation and it's just as you said is that sometimes and I often when I talk about it I talk about God saying you know what I'm just going to have let you run into this brick wall so that I can shake you into the reality of what he has planned for you and he being Satan. Satan has destruction and death and an eternity of death planned for you. And I had, and God has a different plan, which is life of prospering love and adoption into his family. And so at, at that particular moment, I didn't realize what was happening. Right. But now as I look back, I see the, the divine plan that God had in reaching down when I called on the sacrifice that he had sent, which was Jesus Christ. I merely said his name and then things began to change. So he reached down from heaven, reached into my heart, reached into my life and changed it forever. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. (laughs) That's some story, even though I was already familiar with it, just hearing you tell it again, it just kind of, I feel chills because it's just just such a... um, vivid description of God's love for us as his children and that he'll go to know, I mean, he'll go to great lengths. Like he doesn't stop in his pursuit of us in trying to get us back into relationship with him and to reveal who he really is as, as father. That is quite a remarkable story. So um, where are you now in your relationship with God? Uh, since then, and there's a whole host of things that happened to getting here, but we'll, we'll fast forward through some of those things and just come to where I am today is that I am uh, building a relationship with, with God uh, to the point that he is Abba, Abba Father. And so that that father-son mm-hmm. relationship is created. Uh, we've talked about the fact that I didn't have a real relationship with my biological father. Although I had respect and love for, and my stepfather loved me, mm-hmm. there was not this true bond that was there. He taught me the things that he he knew to teach me, but that bond wasn't there with God. It wasn't there. But after and the work that I've done now through some deliverance and um, also therapy and talking Christian counseling therapy, <laughs> not just regular therapy, but having a Christian counselor that it understands what God's moves and can hear his voice. I've learned to build that relationship and that's what God was after in the beginning. It wasn't the rules and all the things that we were, that I had been taught as a child. I didn't have a true understanding of what he had sacrificed and why he sacrificed it for us to be into a relationship with him. Uh, In the Jewish culture, adoption is a very powerful thing. 
Um, you Once a child is adopted into a family, they can never be disowned or cut off. And that is what, G what God did by the death of Jesus Christ in our lives. He allowed us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ to be adopted into his family. Yes. So we're no longer just born from natural means. We're truly adopted, which means that once we accept him into our lives and into our hearts, then he takes us and says, you'll forever be with me. You'll forever be my son. You'll forever yes. be all that I have and all my love I'll pour out onto you. So once you have a relationship with someone, uh, God, the father, Abba, and you have that type of relationship and it's open to you, then your natural desire is to please them. Your natural desire is to do the things that would make them happy. Mm -hmm. And so that's the relationship that I have with him now. I still have days and moments when my humanity kicks in yeah, and I'm still um, pulled back and I'm like, oh, well, I need to do this myself. But quickly the Holy Spirit that is inside of me now uh, tells me and says, no, Father has that. Mm -hmm. I have that. You don't, you don't have to pick that up. Let me take that burden from you. And then I'll, I'll walk you through this. So that's the relationship that I'm working on now is more time uh, learning him as Abba Father. Wow. That's, that's really, really special. Just to see the progression in your relationship that God has shown you. I know with a lot of people, just the terminology of dad or daddy or father, because we live in a real world with real people who are wounded and broken and hurt, people's stories of who they know a dad or a father to be. And so a lot of times, as you said earlier, that impacts their relationship with God. When people refer to the, to God as a father or God as a daddy, people sometimes have negative reactions to that just because of what their own relationships have been like with God. And so it's just really a testament to um, your strength and perseverance as a person and also an even greater testament to God's commitment to us mm -hmm. and to getting us into his family and into the plan that he had for our lives. And so um, I think I want to ask you if you would pray for the listeners. I'm sure there'll be someone who has listened to your story and listened to your testimony and who will be, you know, have some questions or maybe about God or might be in that in-between stage of maybe they're even struggling with their own sexual identity and they might be thinking, you know, well, maybe God did make me this way and or maybe God will accept me, or does he hate me, and, you know, is my life over? And so I'm just going to You've been listening to the Beauty for Ashes podcast. Before you go, subscribe and leave a message with your pressing question or comment. Be sure to tell all your friends and tune in next week for another episode.